Welcome to Amateur All Tours, the podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a movie. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me is my brother, Brian, and we would like to welcome you to Amateur All Tours. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and this week we have another solo review. I thought, you know, last the last episode with Ghostbusters, it went pretty well, so I, sh- I thought I'd give it another go. Uh, an update, Brian's editing software and uh, recording software is up to date. We have it fixed, so we are going to be uh, getting back to our normal scheduled show uh, as soon as possible, really. But this week, I wanted to, you know, say, stay a little bit more topical and discussing a film that, unfortunately, Brian could not see or else he would definitely be joining me on this show. And, you know, I think we are going to be... Rev- coming back to this specific film and I just wanted to say before we begin during Ghostbusters when I said I was gonna miss Brian uh, during that show man am I is that double true for this show Uh, for lots of reasons which I'll get into in a minute but this this specific episode is I uh, I'm really gonna miss Brian and without further ado the episode that or the the show the movie that we'll be discussing this week is Batman the Killing Joke. And this is why I'm going to miss Brian. Brian is more of the comic book guy than I am. Um, He is definitely more into it than I am. Uh, My exposure to, I guess, comics and graphic novels of the sort, um, notably The Walking Dead, and I actually stayed more in tune with The Walking Dead until maybe my freshman year of college. And I I started the end of my freshman year of high school, so you know I stayed with it for a good four years or so. But then I start I kind of got out of the story. But that's a that's a different matter altogether. But and I and I've read uh, kind of big big name ones: Watchmen, V for Vendetta, uh, The Killing Joke, uh, obviously. And but Brian definitely is more of the comic book guy of the two of us. He 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 loves Batman. He he likes exploring different types of stories as well, and he's the one that really got me uh, first reading comics and kind of exposed to a different type of genre and uh, just different kinds of comics altogether. So, so for this film, The Killing Joke, what, like I mentioned earlier, we will probably return to it more than likely, but I wanted to get this out as soon as possible because it is pretty topical. And at the time of this recording of July 31st, it is coming out on August 2nd on DVD. So for those of you that weren't aware that The Killing Joke was in theaters, I will let me uh, give you a little, not history, but how I figured out and how I ended up seeing this in theaters. So... Maybe, and I actually, and starting off, I actually just recently read The Killing Joke. I think I read it around three weeks ago, uh, especially at the time of this recording. It was around three weeks ago. Uh, my Brian had it, and and he said, you know what, you should really read this comic. It's good. Um, it's it's one of the most, most famous Batman Joker. It has a definite origin for the Joker. So I said, you know what, sure, why not? Uh, I'll give it a read. It's a quick read. I definitely recommend it. It's very entertaining, and... And 
I think there's a lot of controversy regarding the 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 comic itself. I mean, just the subject matter, uh, the Joker's origin, and the whole dichotomy that is explored between Batman and the Joker is extremely interesting. And also, another note, this um, this issue, this graphic novel, ha- was one of the inspirations for Heath Ledger's Joker. In my opinion, one of the most terrifying and best perf- um, portrayals of the Joker in popular media. But... So I gave it a read. It's a very quick read. I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, it's very interesting going along. And so, and I was actually, it was actually, this was actually at Ghostbusters. I, I, well, I, I had known that the Killing Joke was going to be released. Uh, I knew it was going to be R-rated, which I thought was kind of interesting. And we'll get more into the R-rating <laughs> into this review. But I heard it was going to be R-rating. And after reading the book, I was like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um... And I was actually at Ghostbusters with, with my mom, and I saw a preview for a Fathom event saying, oh, the killing joke in two nights only. And and I just kind of put it, it was just on the back of my mind. And just the other day, I was just, I forget what I was doing. Oh, I was looking at a, another Fathom event for Planet of the Apes, and I was on the, and I just happened to be on the wrong day, and it said the killing joke at 7 o'clock, and it was actually the day. It was actually the second showing. And, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to buy a ticket for this film, and, and and it'll be a nice episode. I know it's very popular. It's very topical at the moment, and I, it's just something It's something new that we haven't done before. So I bought my ticket, and that night I went. Now, I have my notes in front of me, and most of these are pretty... They're in sequential order, so it, I won't have to be jumping around. So, I do... Man... Now I I was I, I was actually pretty excited seeing this film, um, especially more more when I was going to the theater. Um, and funny enough, this was actually the first time I've seen a movie by myself um, for a film that you know I I, I really genuinely like the graphic novel. I with in regards to Batman, I I'm not so much, like I mentioned. I'm not so much the comic book guy, but I do enjoy the films. Um, I like the Nolan franchise. I like the Burton franchise. I hate. I absolutely hate the '90s stuff. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie on that one. But I do really enjoy the Burton films. And I and I and I have watched a bit of the uh, the comic Batman uh, Beyond, I believe. But but I never played the games, the Arkham games. Uh, my Brian was definitely more into that than I was. So I have a kind of a general idea of Batman and the universe and how everyone, how how peop, how characters interact and backstories and things like that. So I'm a pretty like moderate or I, I, moderate fan, I or general fan. And so I was driving to the film, the theater, and I was like, "Wow, this is." I was getting more and more excited, and I, but with that being said, I want to preface that. The Killing Joke was probably the worst movie-going experience of my entire life. And that is so disappointing because... So, so, and it really goes on and on. So, I, so I get to the theater 45 minutes early. I had my, my phone out. I, I ordered the tickets online. Scanned me in. First theater. Didn't have to really explore, like, going to the, the back depths of the theater, it was the first theater, to my right, I walk in, I'm 45 minutes early, 
theater is completely, it's huge, it's, and it was empty, which I thought was so cool, I actually took a few pictures, and I'll post them along with the um, release of this episode, but I was the first one there, I, I, I sat dead center, I, I, even went as far as to count the, the rows and the seats to make sure that I was dead freaking center, I had literally the best seat in the entire house, and I didn't even want popcorn or a drink, I just wanted to be that, because I, I, leading into this, I thought that this film was going to be a packed theater, and I was really excited for that, and I was talking with one of my good friends who works at a movie theater, and she was telling me that this specific uh, film was sold out both nights at her theater, and people were raving about it, and I was like, oh man, like this is going to be a packed theater, and I was really excited about that. And so, like I said, I didn't even want popcorn or drink, because I didn't want to risk, risk losing my perfect seat, uh, which is kind of a bit too much, I, I understand, but I was I was genuinely excited walking to the theater. So I sat down, I was uh, listening to some music, I was by myself, and, and here, this is when I was trying to gauge the crowd. So as I was sitting there and watching people come in, they had a little kind of a countdown in the, in the bottom uh, right hand of the screen, and as people came in, it was a very diverse crowd, and I mean that in a good way and a bad way. So we had some couples coming in. We had parents with their kids, which the youngest person was eight years old, and it was even it was it was it was pretty great because he had the sides of his hair dyed green. Now I don't know if this was something else or if this had to do with this film, but I noticed it as I was leaving the theater. So he was there, and and his and his dad was there. There was a bunch of singles. I mean, I was one of them. We had the youngest and we had the oldest which was probably around mid 50s or so and i was like well he probably had seen this film or, or had read the comic when it came out in 88 i believe and i was like that's kind of that's kind of cool i like seeing the older generation seeing these films and seeing what they grew up with and i was really excited about those people and then we get unfortunately like the douchey comic book crowd and you know what screw these guys, so they came in, and they, and it's a double, it's a double, uh, double-sided entrance, not, not a single, so they come in, and as they're coming down the tunnel, I hear them, this F this, F that, one of them walks in, oh, the theater's empty, no, no effing way, and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, there's an eight-year-old kid, like, six rows in front of me, I mean, they didn't know he was there, but still, they, they're doing this, and then they're laughing, everything they say they think is the funniest freaking thing in the world, they walk up to the very top, laughing as they do, and, oh my god, they ended up sitting, I don't know how, but they where they sat had been, been the magic part in the theater, because it amplified their voices, through the entire theater, and so whatever they were whispering, you could hear, and I was like, oh my god, and, yeah, I mean, you guys know this type, it's, everything they say is funny, no matter how unfunny or crude it is, and so that was annoying. Uh, more of them joined the crowd, and they in in special events like these, they they had uh, some trivia, and obviously the answers were kind of bogus, just kind of appealing to a mass audience. And they were of course trying to make jokes every time it came up. The same trivia came up, and they were just screaming the stupidest jokes. And I was like, God damn, this is so annoying. And then to top it off, literally right behind me, I had maybe. 
uh, maybe six or eight teenagers, maybe in the 16 to 18 range. And they sat down, and it was it was obviously like a date night for these kids, and so it was it was like the boyfriends obviously had read the comic and they were excited about it, and then the girlfriends that were just oh I, I don't know anything about Batman. Um, this is this is I what's this about? I'm just gonna Google. It. I'm just gonna read the Wikipedia. I'm like oh this is gonna be fan freaking tastic. So. That was the crowd, and you know, I was I was kind of disappointed with the with the amount of people that actually showed up. The crowd was decent, but the theater was only half filled. And now I'm thinking about it, it was a reversal for Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, I thought that no one was going to show up; that it was going to be an empty theater, but it was packed, almost filled, almost sold out. And then the Killing Joke, a limited release, two nights only. I thought it was going to be completely packed, jam packed. And it was half-filled. And I was like, okay, that's a little disappointing, lackluster. But you know what? I'm not here for the crowd. I'm here for the film. So, and like I said, the crowd, I mean, it was, it was all right. But the story gets better and better. So, and so I'm going to try, I'm going to speak my night, uh, speak of this night in sequential order. Just because I, uh... Because my mood gets subtly and subtly more worse as the night progresses. But, it, you know, it starts off really high. So, I'm, like, really excited. The I watch all... I sit there for literally 45 minutes. I Like I said, I was listening to music. I had, a bin, like, a new binge by the night before. So, I had a ton of music to listen to. And so... <clears throat> They're saying they're saying oh stay tuned after the credits so you there's a, there's a mini documentary madness set the music which is about the scoring of the film and I was like okay maybe I'll I'll get around to that we'll see how late it is because I had work the next morning and I have to get up at 6 a.m. every morning to go to work and this was a 7:30 showing so and it's like a 90 minute 100 minute film so I didn't want to get back home too late but anyway so the film starts and we have this interesting, uh, kind of like a pre-show, or pre-documentary, whatever you want to call it, and it has Mark Hamill meeting George Lucas, and how he's getting into Star Wars, and I was thinking, like, what does this have to do with the Joker, and I mean, I, or not the Joker, with Batman, I knew that Mark Hamill played the Joker, um, and I knew he was, he was returning, he was reprising his role for the Joker, for the killing joke, but I was like, what does this have to do with any, like, Star Wars, and it all tied together, and it was interesting just watching Hamill, and he is such a good, he's such, he seems like such a genuinely nice guy, and a funny guy, and naturalistic, because he was describing him getting into Star Wars, and then he's, and as his career goes on, he's getting involved in Batman, and he really wanted to do Batman because he he loved the villains, he loved the complexity of all the villains, and he really wanted to make the like a villain, no one in particular, but a villain something new. And then they offered him the role of the Joker, and this is where the Star Wars comes in. He says Luke Skywalker can't play the Joker; it just doesn't work. It just that doesn't work. But anyway, through a little bit of reluctance, he eventually does accept the role of the Joker, and he discusses how he created the voice of his his interpretation of the Joker. And it's funny, they have a little interlude of when he first stepped in in the 90s for uh, the cartoon, the script had said, don't think Nicholson. And he's like, I don't want to follow Nicholson. Nicholson, that's the last thing you, I want to do. 
and then he did, and then he delves into everything he did with the character, and this and this going into the killing joke because it shows the Joker in a new sympathetic way, which is why Mark Hamill really enjoys working with the Joker and the killing joke. And it's interesting to point out that after Arkham City, I believe, or Arkham Knight, I believe it was Arkham Knight, the most recent Batman video game released, uh, Hamill was actually retiring his voice and is going to pass the torch for the Joker because of the strain it was having on his voice, and he's been doing it for like 20 plus years. But he said he would only come back if the Killing Joke was adapted into a film, and here it is. So he he did come back for this film, and and the, and he and they ended this in an interesting note in that they're saying, "Do you ever get why? Why are you returning this Joker? You've been playing for twenty years. Why like don't you ever get bored?" And Hamill's response is, "The Joker is never boring. He's insane and unpredictable, and that's just the best." character to play is that someone that is always changing and you can never really fully understand them so that was kind of a really that was a great way to kind of start this film um as a pre-show and really got me hooked and i was in my mood was still pretty high at this point and i was like yes all right here we go let's go and then the film starts so we start with an opening narration or an opening line from batgirl saying something and and I and my notes saying I'm like yeah I'm kind of mad about the prologue but then I have in quotes this just gets worse and worse as it gets on and I just and my biggest issue with this prologue is I don't see how this really connects to the killing joke so this prologue they added is all about Batgirl or Barbara Gordon um, which funny enough like <laughs> kind of saying as a non-comic book guy, I had no idea that Barbara Gordon was Batgirl, um, especially when I was reading The Killing Joke. In The Killing Joke, she, I mean, and this happens here, she does, she gets shot and paralyzed by the Joker, and taken advantage of in that state, and when I was reading, I had no idea that she was Batgirl, I just was like, oh, it's Commissioner Gordon's daughter, like, that's a big thing, but here, I was like, oh, okay, she's Batgirl. Let's see where they go with this. And they literally do nothing. They portray Batgirl as, as for some reason, there's some relationship bullshit going on in here. And it just is, isn't needed in the killing joke. So, it's, it's all about Batgirl and her relationship with Batman and that it's really complex and... and that's okay, but they take it in a sexual manner. Now, I like I mentioned for the 20th time, I'm not in the comic books, but I knew that Batgirl and and uh, Batman and Batgirl were not romantically involved. It was more of a Robin, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was more of a Robin and Batgirl were kind of the romantic interest, and Batman was more of the mentor. And so Batgirl is just portrayed as this woman that has a crush on Batman and she's just always trying to impress him and she's just saying oh I don't need Batman and then Batman is showing up and kind of putting her in a saying you do need me you're in too deep you don't the one of the things is you you haven't gone to the abyss and you you're you don't know this this criminal the criminal is Paris France or something like that it's some ridiculous name of um 
he kind of is, I, I took this as he's supposed to kind of parallel the Joker in that he's unpredictable and he's really charismatic and he's really confident in his work and he's, I mean, I want to say unpredictable, I mean, I'm sorry, I said unpredictable, but I mean, he's trying to get under the skin into the psychological mind of Batgirl. <clears throat> and so she's just, he's just kind of like taunting her and always wanting her to come after him and he's some nephew of some mob boss that I'm sure is big in the comics and he's trying to steal from his uncle he ends up killing his uncle to try and get some power and then he's I guess he's trying to break Batgirl or something like that and there's this there's like some reversals of of uh Batgirl needing to be saved by Batman and then there's the there's the flip of Batman saying Batgirl you're not ready you can't take on this 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 menace and then he ends up being saved by Batgirl, and Batgirl ends up beating the crap out of this guy and saving the day, blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of fast-forwarding this, but it's just utterly pointless. Um, I, I didn't come... I, I came to see the, the Batman The Killing Joke to see Batman and the Joker. This prologue was obviously just filler for runtime. It's, it's just to get that 90-minute feature length whatever and it's oh my god it's just completely unnecessary and what i and batgirl like i said is portrayed as very immature and oh my god and i said earlier i didn't come to see the killing joke to see batman and batgirl have relationship problems batgirl is sexualized and very brash she's talking like one of the things she's talking with her stereotypical gay best friend and saying oh i'm dating i'm dating this guy but i'm not dating him and she's being really vague about who it is and and then there's like some obvious there's some jokes like oh i thought the i thought the the gay dating scene was was hard and 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 like and i was like what and people were laughing at him I'm like okay i get it it's like really clear jokes to laugh at but i really wasn't finding it funny I was more or less insulted, especially as this goes on and on, and I'm not the comic book fan. Imagine how f- comic book fans reacted to seeing this, their, this this character that, I mean, from what I understand, she was more of just an object to keep Batman or Robin or whoever, just kind of like a plot device to keep going, but here, it's completely inappropriate and not needed, and I was insulted just by the fact that I was like, they... This is the only female character in here, and she's immature, she's completely sexualized, she's just an object, and I was like, this is horrible, this is so stupid, and so, and like I was saying, there's laughable dialogue, um, at one point, Batgirl and Batman have a, they have sex on a, on a rooftop, out of nowhere, and People are la- they, people in my theater laughed at that because especially the fans were like this is completely absurd like what this came out of nowhere. Um, people they're laughing at it and it was and it's what's even better is that this is obviously meant to be serious and people are laughing at how stupid this is. And there's there's even there's stupid things like Batgirl is she's looking down at couples and they're like oh yeah yeah and it's obviously obviously she wants a man there's at one point there's some 
douche fighting with this girl, and he's like, I just need my space, you're being too clingy, and Batgirl literally flips him into the air and says, there, there's your space, like, kind of taking it out on this guy, saying, oh, this is Batman, and, and then, it was here, at this flip, was precisely the moment that I'm like, this, I started hating this, like, this is so stupid, this relationship bullshit, and I have, in my notes, where is the Joker, this is so stupid, <laughs> and, and like I said, she saves Batman, and, and, oh man, there's, a, one of the worst bits of dialogue was, she was calling, she calls Batman, and Batman reluctantly answers, and he says, hey, hey, it's like this weird, like, uh, she, they're talking very briefly, and, and then we get one of the most laughably stupid points of dialogue in this film, where Batgirl says, it's just sex, it doesn't matter, and I'm like, it was groaning for me, people were obviously laughing, it was, and it's like, I can't believe that the writers thought that that was, like, a good line to have, (laughs) and, and I just, what is this relationship stuff, and then, Batgirl breaks, literally, quote-unquote, breaks up with Batman, she pretty much turns in her costume and says, yeah, I've I've been to the abyss, and I, I now know what you're talking about. And this is after she saves Batman and beats the living crap out of this guy, um, the Paris France or France. And I guess that's her her abyss, or I took it as her want for Batman is the abyss. And I'm like, what, what? And and at this point when she hands it in, I'm like, thank. God, it's over. And then there's something along the lines of, oh, a storm is coming. Some cliche, pointless thing about some, like, some ominous, like, winter is coming, or just a storm is coming. Something along the lines of that. But in here, it's very cliche. And it ends. And thank God, I get, this was just a waste of 25 minutes of my time. And now, we finally get... To the killing joke. And this is where the film gets infinitely better. And what I like straight off the bat is that they they recreate bits straight from the comics. And I and I can't I love, love, love this. I have a similar now some people this kind of people are split on this, I would say. Um, whether with adaptations, if they are recreated frame by frame, some people like that, some people don't. If they don't, it's kind of like a you win and you lose at the same time. Like some people really like it and some people don't like it. Here and I had the same reaction to Watchmen, that that film is so meticulously like built from the comic that I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought that was the way to go with that film. And I think this is how it should go here as well. And I love it. They open up with Batman. Uh, they, they literally take frames from the, from the comic and recreate them here. And it's fantastic. And, and at this point... I have, it's just, it's really just the killing joke, with with the exception of a few bits, and Mark Hamill, as the Joker, is fantastic, I love hearing his voice, he really adds that personality to the Joker, that is just, is just so recognizable, and, like, insanely fun, if that makes sense, and it was just great hearing him being back in this role, and it's also awesome seeing the origin in film and in motion on the big screen. That was one of my favorite bits of The Killing Joke, the the graphic novel. And it was awesome seeing it here. I had just like this big grin on my face. And just seeing Hamill bring these this character to life. And like I said, 
from here, it's it's the graphic novel from frame by frame by frame from story to story to story, with the exception of maybe a few things kind of tweaked. And they did, and now here's a scene. They did add a scene. Um, to me, they they changed two big things. One, it's it's okay. I I didn't. It just kind of it flew. It it had a nice fluidity with the story. Um, it 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 blended. I would say. And the second change, I, I, I hated, and I'll get to that at the end. So what they added was like a courtroom scene where um, Joker comes in and is saying, "What do we do with those that kind of abuse the system, abuse the law, don't follow the law, they live by their own rules?" And Gordon says, "Throw the book at, throw the book at them." And Joker says, "All right, throw the book." And Gordon throws the book, thinking he's going to be the Joker. And then a pop up of Batman comes, and it hits, and the book titled "The Law" throw, hits Batman. And Joker, pretty much, is insinuating just like this: you have to apply these rules to everyone, just not who you see fit. And this is where, oh God. My move, the theater that I was watching this in, right as this book is thrown and hits Batman, the power completely cuts in my film. In my in my theater, the whole theater goes out and people are like, oh damn, like they're they're kind of freaking out. So we lost power and we sat we sat and we sat for 15 minutes without this film, five minutes in complete darkness, and then 10 minutes just waiting and listening to, just waiting and just for this film to come back. And in this time. It really re reemphasized the point of why I hate people sometimes. So, oh god, just make. I was, so I was sitting there, and everyone thinks they're a comedian at this point, and the the worst. So these those teenagers that I mentioned behind me, they started making the most insensitive jokes that made me want to get up and hit them in the face. They're making uh, Aurora shooting jokes. For those of you that don't really remember or know what I'm talking about. This was the Dark Knight Rises screening in Aurora, Colorado, where a, a gunman walked into a theater and shot up a movie theater and ended up killing 12 innocent people just there to see a film. And these stupid t- kids were just making jokes about that. That They're like, oh, I thought I was going to die, and I thought that like someone was going to come in and and start shooting up the theater, and I was like, I was ready to get down on the ground, and like, and they're like, oh, I was gonna throw you to the shooter, and I was like, this is, this, I, I was completely fat, like, I was shocked, I couldn't even say a word, because normally I would have gone up and said something, but I just could I was so shocked that that came out of their mouths, and, and then we have the frat guys up, and the, the douchey comic book guys that are just throwing jokes, like, oh, this is the great, oh, I love this part of the comic, and, but it was those sh- those met those uh Dark Knight Rises shooting jokes jokes I I used that my God, and I just thought this was really ironic that these kids were making these jokes in the the Killing Joke film, uh, and and Batman no less and just and 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 I thought it was even more insensitive with all the random acts of just complete and just nonsensical violence that is going on in our world, especially at this time in our, and just in this point in time, but especially that they're referencing that, I was completely disgusted, and just, 
I, I, my faith in humanity went down for this showing, and, oh my god, and it just, like I said, it was really, like, putting a damper on my mood, people were threatening to leave, and they are just, like, just really angry and annoyed, and I was really, I was, I was disappointed, because this is what I came to see, I came to see the killing joke, and I'm sitting there in an empty theater, or in, in a, in a theater that's not showing the movie when it should be, surrounded by people that are just complete, like, being idiots and insensitive pricks. And so, the movie comes back on, and it's at the end of the movie, and damn, and now this is the part where everyone becomes a comedian. And this is when I decided that I have to try and separate the film from the experience, because you know what? If this film was not a limited release, like two night only, and this was the last night, I would have walked out, and I would have seen a matinee or something like that. I was, and I, and I'm telling you, I have never, ever in my life thought, yeah, I'm gonna walk out. I, I have never had the urge to walk out of a film until this moment, and the only thing that kept me in that seat was that this was a limited release. But anyway, like I was saying, people were just throwing jokes uh, that the whole movie they had, like I said, they had it 20 minutes early, they had it 10 minutes before, they couldn't, the sound wasn't working, it was a disaster, and everyone is just throwing jokes, easy jokes out at the film, and just like, oh, I wonder what happened, oh, ha, 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 so freaking funny, and I was just sitting there just not laughing at all, just really annoyed, and then they finally get it going, and it's going, and at this point, my mood is probably at its lowest that it can be. And then, right after this, we get the song, uh, the Going Loony song, that is that was one of my favorite bits in the comic. And it, it helped a little bit, seeing Hamill's, um, putting his words and his voice to it. It was it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It helped a little bit, but I was kind of a little bit gone at this point. And another point that I really like in in the comic, but it's really um, it's really more emphasized in this, is that Batman was at the origin of the Joker. And I and oh my God, the best moment of this film was the the reveal of the true Joker. So after he falls, the so the origin of the Joker is. He needed to get money for his wife and his baby, or his unborn child, and so he plans to, and he's a failed comedian, he, he plans to, uh, get, to get some cash to, before the, 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 his unborn child is coming, he signs up with some mafia, mafia types to rob a place that he used to work at, which is like a playing card company, which is, or, they're robbing the playing card company, but they they have to cut through this chemical plant that he used to be a lab, like the lab tech or lab assistant at, and so they and they're talking about it, and, and it ends up that his wife and child are killed in like a freak accident, that the odds are like a million to one or something like that, and so Joker has no he has no like anything left that's holding him in reality, so he goes through the job. He's the um, I think it's the Red Hood, the, yeah, the Red Hooded, uh, or the Red Hood Vigilante or something, not, I'm sorry, not Vigilante, I, I'm sure you can't, the, the comic portion of the, uh, fan base is just hating me right now, but it's the Red, the Red Hood, 
and they go, and it's just kind of this, like, figure that uh, is trying to strike fear, a symbol, and Batman comes uh, when the, the heist goes bad and tries to confront the Red Hood, not knowing that it's not one guy, it's just kind of a, a symbol that they put someone in, and... Joker is trying to get away, slips on his cape, and falls into the vat of toxic waste, washes out, crawls ashore, takes the helmet off, and this is literally the this is the best part of one uh, one of the best parts of the comic, but the best part of this film. Takes the helmet off and starts laughing. Just this guttural, deep, insane laugh. And oh my god. That was amazing. They literally, like, now I mentioned that they painstakingly recreated from the panels, and this was utterly terrifying in the in the comic and on, on screen. It was even more. And with Mark Hamill adding his voice to this, oh, oh, oh man, that was, I, I, that, I mean, if I was a huge comic book fan, I would have had a nerdgasm. That was, it was so cool. And, and so, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, that was just a re- I'm just laughing at my reaction to that, but it was, it was so awesome, it was so cinematic and perfect. And so we get through the rest of the killing joke, Batman intervenes, uh, he, they've, Joker and Batman have their fight, uh, Joker has his bad day, uh, monologue, which is, which is also perfect with Hamill, um, and then, we get to the final talk and the and the killing joke. And what's great about this is now this joke represents the Joker and the Batman, and that Batman. So the joke is two in uh, insane uh, convicts escape from their psychiatric hospital. One jumps to safety from the ledge, and the other one is too afraid. So. To get the man to come across, the one the one that's on safety pulls out a flashlight, crosses the beams as you can walk across the beam to get to safety. And the other one goes, "What do you think I'm? What do you think I'm crazy? You'll turn the beam off when I'm halfway over." And that's perfect because this joke represents Batman and the Joker. Batman being the one that jumps to safety, and the Joker who and he's kind of offering this like false sense of help, and the Joker is not accepting it, but for the wrong reasons. Now. I'm sorry, I have to take a moment. This is the second change that I thought was the worst, probably the worst part of this, I mean, of the killing joke in this adaptation. I am completely throwing away the beginning prologue with Batgirl, because that was stupid. So, in the graphic novel, Batman, so the Joker just starts maniacally laughing after he tells this killing joke and Batman smiles and kind of like hmm and it fades on such an ambiguous note because Joker's laughing and bat and they're standing side by side like yin and yang and Batman grabs uh the Joker's throat and it's unclear whether he chokes him, kills him, restrains him, because the beginning of this comic, it starts with Batman trying to talk to Joker, saying, we're going to kill each other, one way or another, I don't know if I'm going to kill you, or you're going to kill me, but we're run, and I want to prevent that, and we're, but we're running out of alternatives, and this, and at this point, Batman is trying to have a last-ditch effort to 
come to terms with the Joker and say, I can help you. He even says, come with me. You don't have to do this alone. Um, you, like, you, you're, there's a reason that you're the way you are, and there's a reason the way I, the way that I am. We can, I can help you. Come with me. You don't have to be alone. And he offers, like, pretty much a hand saying, you don't, like, I can be your friend, not your enemy. And then Joker tells this joke, and, the, and like I said in the graphic novel, Batman kind of smirks and grabs Joker, and it's unclear whether or not he restrains him or kills him. And it's, it's, it's perfect, because it's just enough, and it's just enough ambiguity to have, like, 30 years of discussion. Now, in this adaptation... They end with Batman laughing, like, belly laughing with the Joker. He even goes as far as to lean forward and put his hand on the Joker's shoulder, like they're best buddies that haven't seen each other, and they just are just recounting old times. And then it ends with Batman's laughter. What? What? This is... Oh my god. Like... I can't believe, like, they, they literally had the killing joke almost perfect, except this literally killed it. It, it ruined it for me, and I'm not even, a, and like I said, I'm not even the, I'm not even the comic book guy, and I'm insulted that they did this, because it doesn't even insinuate that, it doesn't even have the fact that Batman, like, was maybe strangling Joker, it just ends with them laughing. I'm like, what the hell, and, and it's not even, like, at least with that ambiguous ending in the comic, it has... Uh, it's, 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 it's a resolution, but it's up to your interpretation of that resolution. Here, it just freaking ends, and there's nothing, there's no resolution to everything, and it just doesn't make sense, and what's even, and what's better, I don't even think my audience knew how to react to this, because when, and it, and it was really annoying, when Batman started laughing, people were laughing, well, first off, people were laughing at the joke, and this joke is not supposed to be funny, if, I mean, on a surface level, yeah, I guess it's funny, and... But when you're really looking into what the joke is actually meaning, like the subtext of the joke, it's really serious and not meant to be funny. But when people kind of like chuckled at it because they, I guess they, I guess they just were looking at a surface level. And then when Batman started, they were laughing with it. I'm like, no, this is completely the wrong tone for this. This is wrong. This is so wrong. And then, and then it pans and it ends, and someone literally screamed in the back, "What the fuck?" And, yes, that is right, but it also leads me to believe that people didn't actually read this comic or really know what was going on, that they were, like, the fact that they were laughing at that that joke on a surface level, not understanding the subtext, was annoying to me, and, and so the credits roll, and we get this ending with Batgirl, who is monitoring Gotham? I don't know. I know nothing about this. I don't know if this could, is continued into the into the comics or what. I had no idea what the point of that was. She's, I don't know. I don't know. But with this, people were obviously not happy with this ending, and I was certainly one of them. And and I drove home very disappointed that this was the worst movie experience of my entire life. Wasn't even that impressed with the film. I mean, the killing joke was awesome. Was see, it was it was great seeing that on screen and seeing Mark Hamill um as the as the Joker. But that freaking ending and this prologue and then the film cutting out. Like it was so much and this film wasn't even worth it. So 
and I came home, I was disappointed, I went to bed, and I woke up at 6 in the morning, and I drove to work, and, and, but, uh, but luckily, the next night, I saw the original Planet of the Apes at the same theater, no problems, it was awesome, I stayed for the begin, for the pre-show and the post-show, uh, they had an interview, it was great, I, I loved it, that was awesome, but, I just had this dampered mood of, like, I can't believe I just spent, like, on this ticket, and it wasn't even worth it, um, but, so, with that, that was the killing joke, and this is where we get into my recommendations and closing thoughts, so, as you can tell, I was really disappointed with this, with the adaptation itself, and the experience that I had, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna preface that the, the rating that I'm about to give this, I did not factor the horrible experience I had into this review. Um, I really tried to think objectively about this, and just as critically as possible. Don't let my own personal feelings of how crappy the, the like the film-going experience was. I'm trying to really be objective about the film itself. So that being said, I'm going to give Batman the Killing Joke, the adaptation, the film adaptation, a 2 out of 5 stars. This, this stupid 25-minute intro completely killed it. It was utterly pointless. I was insulted as not as a, just the ca- average moviegoer that they just completely sexualized and trivialized this character. Um, and it's it was utterly pointless because it didn't even factor into anything. Um, I don't even want to say it characterized Batgirl even more because it didn't even do that for her. Like when she got shot, I honestly felt worse when I was reading the graphic novel, not knowing anything about this character, than I did here after spending 25 minutes, quote unquote, getting to know this character. So the, the intro was stupid. The that dumb change in the end where they they. Left it still ambiguous, but it was a stupid ambigu- amb- ambiguity. Whereas in the comic, it was almost it was near perfect. And I'm not gonna I'm not saying that there isn't good in this, but they take all of that good away with all of the bad. And I can't believe they messed this up. The following that this comic has, and like the two the this two night screening, I can't believe that this the writers messed this up. And, like I said, I don't even read the comics, and I'm angry about this. So I want to imagine how the Batman fans feel about this. I mean, I was reading things about the post-show of, of uh, Comic-Con. when they sh- I, think they, I believe they screened this uh, early July at San Diego Comic-Con, and fans were pissed. <laughs> I think even at the panel, someone called out the writer, and the writer had some immature response. Um, regardless of who was asking the question or what was going on, this, the context, it just wasn't a good message for this film, and people were, were very un- angry with this adaptation, just as I'm angry about it, too. So, I'm going to give Batman The Killing Joke, the film adaptation, a 2 out of 5 stars. I I can't really... I don't even want to recommend this to most people. I think this is, n- like, not even a subpar adaptation, uh, some parts are, are excellent, and but the most of it is garbage, in my opinion. So, uh, and with that, that is Batman the Killing Joke. Thus ends this solo review and first impression. Like I said, we are definitely going to re- uh, return to this film with a more in-depth conversation of the plot, the, the, sub, the subtext of everything, the history, 
with Brian, because he is the residential comic book guy of Amateur All Tours. And with that, like I said, that is the episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. And I will see you next episode. Thank you and have a great night. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur All Tours. If you like what you've heard, want to leave a review, or even make a possible suggestion for Brian and I to discuss, you can follow us on Instagram at the Amateur All Tours, on Facebook at Amateur All Tours Podcast, or even send us an email at the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. That is one word. Cover design was composed by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at our own website, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme was performed by the CCH Jazz Ensemble, which was found using a Creative Commons search. Once again, we would like to personally thank you for supporting the show. Stay tuned for future episodes, be sure to let us know what you think, and thank you once again.